Good evening. Good morrow and good morning, everybody. It's morning somewhere, evening somewhere else. My name is Mikhail Moonstrung, and today we have not only a new series, but a brand new member to the podcast, to the show. Today, welcome the one, the only, Mr. Danny Black. How goes it, my good sir? It's going all right. It's going okay. Not bad. Not bad at all. No, I didn't think I was going to have to leave out as many uh, bearing treats and tanny things to uh, to tempt you into the smoke den. Smoke den. Why exactly have you have you come here today? I've come here today to kind of document my journey of becoming a Freemason. So um, it, it's to kind of talk about where I am in the process of joining Freemasonry as a candidate and to talk about the reasons why I personally am joining Freemasonry and uh, kind of what I intend to do whilst I'm in Freemasonry and how I think it will better my life, really. So uh, oh, to, talk well. about, to talk about my little background, really, and which is quite complex and there's a lot of history to me, which has led to my to the point now of joining Freemasonry. So... Um, I'll tell you what, we're incredibly excited to have you on, especially with this documentary that we're building. So for anybody who's who's unaware, you're about to be aware. We're creating, where we can, a Masonic documentary of those modern Masons evolving into the 21st, well, I guess we're in the 21st century, but evolving forward using the current most powerful systems of connection and innovation to link up a fraternity which is internationally bound and in that space we really want to focus on looking at probing our petitions probing at these individual lovely bastards who've decided to to petition to join the halls of freemasonry and we're going to follow that journey especially with our young mr danny black here so as we go let's start with some of that first part there some of my favorite parts what in the hell interests you about freemasonry why freemasonry uh well (laughs) so um I'll have to kind of give a bit of context about my background first to kind of lead up to the answer. So, so I'm a former Catholic, and um, so my my parents were divorced, and I spent most of my youth with my biological mother. They raised me as a Catholic. Um, we went to church when I was younger, and, um, you know, I'd go to church, and I'd hear these stories, and I'd be probably 11 or 12 years old, I'd hear these stories, and I'd think, as a young boy, as, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy, I'd hear these stories and think, there's something much deeper to what I'm hearing. There's something so much deeper, uh, you know, esoteric-wise or lesson-wise. And I never, at, at that age, I never knew what these terms were, like esoteric. But and what we describe as esoteric, that's what I was craving at that age. So... You know, I was debating with the priest um, back where, you know, uh, where I'm from. And he couldn't answer any of the questions. And he was so angry, um, he got me to undertake an act of contrition. And uh, so basically, I had to apologize in a large group of people for offending him. Even though... Oh, shit. Even though yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said I was blasphemous because at 12 years old, I was talking about things like the Book of Thomas which the Catholic Church removed from the Bible. Yeah, and the of course, is non-canonical. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was too, uh, it was deemed heretical. So he knew what the Book of Thomas was about and he didn't like me talking about it. And I thought, you know what? The, I'm, I'm not tolerating this. So I left. And, you know, I recognised, uh, you know, there was something not quite right to what I was hearing. Not that I was against the faith. It was, I wanted more. So, um, and that's how did your mom respond to you in that space? Because inherently, with oh, her being kind of like a force into that, you know, how how was oh, she there with support? What was that like? It was so embarrassing. I mean, she so she wasn't a very nice person, and um, and she did a lot of very <coughs> um, not very nice things, and um, which has led to my recent diagnosis of post traumatic stress disorder and depression. So. Um, which I'm currently waiting for some support for. But anyway, um, so she she was really embarrassed. You know, she was, um, you know, a dedicated Catholic. She was really embarrassed. She deemed me as, you know, kind of um, a troublemaker. And 
I thought, you know what? Okay. I, I got to the point where I was 12 or 13 years old and I thought, you know, having these experiences, you know, which weren't very nice, you know, I felt that I was somewhat um, of an outcast and I wasn't, you know, God didn't want to look after me. So I said, okay, you know what? Stuff it. Big, you know, stick the middle finger up. And um, I investigated everything else like Judaism to Buddhism to um, even theistic and Levain Satanism, you know, just yeah. I, mean, I noticed the noticed the pentacle on the back of your hand. You know, what's, well, what's the well, behind well, that? that people will see that and think, oh, it's a satanic pentagram, and it's like, no, no, it is not. It is not. I mean, it can be. It depends what perspective you are, and that's absolutely fine. If if someone who was a Satanist wants to use that symbol, that's absolutely fine to me. It represents the soul, and of course. Um, like if someone came up to me <coughs> and said, um, oh, that's a satanic tattoo. So I explained that um, I practice magic and with energy work, you know, we our soul has lots and lots and lots of different chakras. And in our hands, we have a chakra in each of the hand. And I said in energy work, um, the right hand is what's used to send out energy. The left hand is what's used to receive so for the fact that I consider this a sacred symbol and a symbol of positivity, it was a metaphor to say I'm sending out good energy. So um, it's you I know, like that. Well said. It's um, yeah, and it's it could also symbolise the five heroines of the Bible, the five heroines of Christ. You know, it could symbolise the the morning star, which was the star above uh, Bethlehem, and Yeshua was born as a baby. Uh, so it could it could mean lots of different things, but anyway. So yeah, like I say, um, uh, I got into um, I actually became a Levain Satanist, and um, but at the same time, I was uh, you know I was looking into things like theistic Satanism, and I related to the character, this metaphor of Satan, this rebellious character who fought against tyranny, and because of my experiences. And I was being, I was under tyranny from a Catholic person. I thought, okay, I want to rebel against that. So I seemed, you know, I, I, I seemed that I was a a Satan myself, you know, a rebellious guy. I related to that character and I loved it, you know. Uh, this light bearer rebelling against the tyrannous dictator, you know. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I definitely think the perspective of, you know, any individual in that polarizing point is not like, it's not focused on you know malfeasance or malevolence it's focused on the sense of self-discovery and like yeah. you know, and challenging yeah. what feels to be inherently wrong right and it's like you know like i feel like i could do it better that's not from a place necessarily of intentional superiority or egoism but it comes from that place of uh like you know i i, I want to be positive and do the most positive that i can and if i observe yeah. it yeah. to be not here then i need to do what i can to find it to bear that light mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, basically, in the end, I realized, oh, I was maybe 16 years old. And, but you know, I, did, I was learning about, um, like, black magic and things like that. And um, I was into a black magician on YouTube called EA Coetting, if you are familiar. Um, EA Coetting has just been taken off YouTube because uh, someone in England um, committed a murder in the name of EA Coetting. And oh, yeah, uh, it's he's got taken off. The thing is, EA Coetting never promoted uh, murder or anything like that, right? But this guy was like summoning what? that aspect. This EA Coetting was summoning this guy, you know, Asmodeus and you know these beings. And this this guy who committed a murder took black magic from EA Coetting's teachings and manipulated it and used that in the name of the murder. So. Um, Sadly, he was taken off, and I'm not exactly for or against the acquitting, but the murder was falsely in his name. But anyway, I was into that guy, and I was into all sorts of different kind of like far, far left hand path yeah. kind of thing, you know. But I remained objective. I was never gullible. I never, um, I never it was took scholarly, things, right? Yes. Well, well, uh, yes. Um, I I never took things for face value. I learned something, then I thought, okay. What more can I learn? So I learned more. And then it kept on going. So anyway, I was about 16. 
And I thought, okay, it, it's not really filling that void. You know, I was craving kind of that um, spiritual uh, fulfillment and, you know, kind of the, I don't want to say extreme left-hand path, but the very left-hand path kind of philosophies, kind of these, you know, Levain philosophies. It, I'm not saying they are bad, but it wasn't for me. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot of techniques for magic. I learned a lot of different perspectives. And um, I was still researching things like esoteric Judaism and esoteric Christianity and, you know, things on Buddhism and paganism. I was researching everything I could get my hands on. All those expansive I, schools. Yeah, absolutely. It could everything from uh, OT, you know, OTO or, you know, uh, or, you know, the Golden Dawn. Or, yeah, because that would have been my initial thought with some of some of your spaces, because I share very similar, you know, beginning points in like spellcraft, magical discovery. So why not a, one, a group like those, OTO, one of those where you've got more of a magical or esoteric foundation? Like yeah, masonry. yeah. But it, it, it's like, um, so it didn't kind of, I've always believed in God and, you know, I, you know, I do believe there's something much like, a, a, so I'm a deist. And I, some people may call him Elohim. Some people might call him Odin. Some, some people, you know, people have different names for it. And, but I've always believed in God. And um, I was very much inspired by a guy called Dr. John D, who was a medieval um, and magical practitioner. Yeah, magic. Yeah. And uh, what's what's fascinating is is that this guy who, you know, the Catholic Church would have killed him if. You know they had the chance but despite the fact he was an angelic magician and he used to work for queen elizabeth the first yeah. queen elizabeth first employed him and she was a christian she was a, a staunch christian so it's kind of um that's when i realized oh it's perfectly fine for me as a human being who believes in god to practice magic and things like that and i learned in the end it depends how you know magic is used okay so, um, by the by, um, I, I've, I, I looked into different schools of different thoughts. I looked into different philosophies because I was fascinated with the way of life. I didn't like living a mon like a, a mundane lifestyle. I, I'm not a person. No monk, who... monkism for Mr. Danning. Say again. No monkism for Mr. Danning. We're not going to find you <laughs> lost in some retreat for years up in the top of a Himalayan mountain. <laughs> No, I would not, no. Um, but it's like, but no. Um, so I got into different philosophies like um, Friedrich Nietzsche, the German philosopher. I got into uh, like Marcus Aurelius. And I got into kind of those stuff. And then, and then I discovered a guy on, uh, and he was actually, he inspired me in my kind of what is, what is now my train of thought. I discovered a guy on the internet called Dr. Jordan Peterson. If you've heard of him, he's oh, yeah. a, oh, yeah. very popular over here. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, he because I was in a very dark place, um, you know, and I wanted to like I wanted to sort my life out. And he uses biblical lectures and psychology mixed together um, to kind of uh, yeah. it, it's to kind of elevate your train of thought. And so when I implemented, you know, the things you know, he advises, um, you know, it, it put me on a higher level of thinking and it, it helped me discover my journey towards God as well, what I consider to be God. And, um, you know, he, uh, I've got his book called 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, and it's absolutely amazing. And he uses a lot of biblical lessons from the Bible um, to kind of, he uses the stories to kind of teach us how we can change things in our life, you know, how to deal with our flaws, how to um, deal with kind of the negative subconscious thoughts, you know, that bring us down. And, you know, he may, he considers them to be like a false ego. Some might consider Satan, you know, uh, that's kind of his train of thought. And I thought, okay, I, I agree with that. So, but in the end, after discovering all of these people, all, all of these different philosophies, different, you know, religious practices, I thought, right, okay, I would like to be around like-minded people. A church, Christian church isn't for me. A synagogue isn't for me. A mosque isn't for me, you know. Um, a, a cult isn't for me. So, you know, uh, 
um, so it came to the point now after my long in-depth research where I thought okay, I would like to be around like-minded people and my perspective on society now is that there's a lack of kind of respect or integrity and honesty and you know I, I always I, I myself have I put myself in a high standard, so I always expect better of myself, okay? I always like to be better uh, than what I am now, and I like to help other people. And um, I was into different organizations like the Sea Cadets or St. John's Ambulance, which is like a first aid corps. It's uh, it's the second to the, to the NHS, okay? Um, you know, we are first aiders. I was into all different organizations where I learned skills, where I could better myself and help other people, hence why I was a first aider. And um, putting all of my experiences and the, my desires to be better, the desires to be around like-minded people, the desires to help other people, the desire for uh, a craving of kind of esoteric study, uh, uh, to be around like-minded people, I saw all of this in Freemasonry. And I learned, you know, I, I've got, a, I, I do have a family member who's a Freemason, but given my particular relationship with that person, um, I won't go into details, <laughs> um, but uh, but no, and I've always wondered what it was about. But after speaking to guys, like, uh, so I got on TikTok and I was, uh, you know, I avoided YouTube because of the conspiracy theorists, and I thought, okay, you know, common sense, common sense, you know, I avoided YouTube, um, and then I got on TikTok, and I thought, okay, I wonder... If there, are, if there are any Masonic TikTokers. And then I discovered Russell Marty. So, and, and Widows Miho. But in the end, you know, I was talking a lot on, on, on the comment section of Marty's lives. And I was learning more and asking and listening to what he was saying and what Freemasonry was about. And I thought, aha, yes, that is what I would like to be part of. And it, it was actually, I'll, 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 I'll give the nod of the cap to Marty. It was actually him who kind of gave me my conviction in Freemasonry. So he, I was interested, but he was the one who hit that nail in the coffin for me, you know? So it was actually him who really, who really inspired me to become a Freemason. So um, much love and respect to him, really. Although, yeah, you'll make his fucking day when he, when he watches that and hears that. It'll be... It's, it's just, true. I mean, I mean it, you know? But then, just, go ahead, I apologize. Sorry, no, go, on, go, go, go. Sorry. Oh no, sure, no, I'm, I'm listening. I'm grabbing my popcorn, bro. I'm just. It was more. I wanted to make you know. Go, go. I want to hear more about this journey continuing okay. through. So this point where you were. Oh right. Inspired. Yeah. You delved into the internet, so the Masonic TikTok warrior community, as it is. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, I, you know, I, so um, initially, so I had. I've got a Star Wars TikTok page, and. Um, so after I grew that, I was able to go live. So I had a couple of conversations with Marty and said, "Look, I'm investigating this." And we had a couple of conversations, and you know, I, I, you know, I'm watching his content. And for me, I've got common sense and initiative, so I was able to recognize that this man, Brother Marty, was genuine. You know, everything he was talking about Freemasonry was genuine, and. You know, I, I don't want to sound narcissistic, but I've been around very negative people, and I, I can tell when somebody is disingenuous, and I don't see that in Marty. Right. You know, after the conversation, after watching his content, you know, um, I started to follow other people on his TikTok. So it could, you know, started to follow guys like Widows Miho and um, Harpocrates. You know, these awesome yeah. guys very intelligent someone who i respect a lot um you know um and after watching the content you know these guys really knew what they were talking about and uh, you know i respect people who are very knowledgeable and very intelligent and i always i'm always intrigued with everything i always like to learn more and you know so i saw a different side in freemasonry where i could learn things I could learn things about myself. I could learn things about people, you know. And um, it was, you know, it was the guys on TikTok that really inspired me to kind of get into Freemasonry. And 
because I recognised officially what Freemasonry was about. So it was, you know, I, I, I have to give it to them. It was those guys, you know? And so after watching a few lives and a, a lot of videos on Widows Miho and Tarpocrates and Brother Martin, I thought, okay, right, I'm going to write a letter. And before I was going to write a letter, Martin said, Danny, I've got an idea. I said, what's that? He said, I think you should document because all of us guys who are Masons now have missed out on the chance of documenting their process of becoming a Mason. So he said, you know, before you do anything, document everything that you do. So I thought, yes, brilliant. That's a brilliant idea. I love that. So I, I wrote a letter and my first proper video was me talking about my letter. I filmed me taking it to the lodge and dropping it off. Um, I filmed, you know, I was talking about my initial inquiry, um, uh, you know, the inquiry form that you do on the UGLE website, you know, um, and I was like, you know, it was really exciting. And I felt, ever so, you know, I, even though I'm not a Mason yet, and I am in the process, I do feel a strong connection to Freemasonry, like a gravitational pull. It's it's something that it, it just resonates so much with me. And it's exciting. The process is so exciting. And the privilege of being able to document that so far and for, you know, other, you know, it's it's like, you know, there are people who have never met me in person before who are Freemasons, you know, like it could be... Um, Harpocrates, it could be Widows Miho, it could be Martin, it could be the other guys, you know, that, you know, three pillars and all, you know, they're shooting messages to me on TikTok. Hi, Danny, hope you're well, just checking on you. Are you okay? Things like that, you know, because uh, in a couple of lives, I've talked about the past and everything, you know, I'm not, you know, I struggle with low mood. And these guys who don't know me, and I am not a Freemason yet, they are still checking on me, asking how I am. Are you okay? You know, they're giving me advice saying, I can't wait to call you a brother. You know, all of these different things. I thought, you know what? This is a real family. This is a real brotherhood. And it's like, you know, my father was in the military. So coming from a military family, being in the cadets, being in kind of organized groups where there's kind of like a brotherhood essence, a teamwork, a family, you know, I, I really see that in Freemasonry. And it's something that I really desire for. And I see that. I see that as a man who's in the process of becoming a Freemason. So these guys are giving me love and attention. And, you know, it's it's really, you, you know, you've just done that. And it's true. It's it's really touching. And it was really, it, you know, when I get these messages of people asking, hi, Danny, how are you? Hope you're okay. Even some of my friends, personal friends, don't do that. So, and, you know what? Funny how it, that it, goes sometimes. Yeah, but it's it's brilliant, and I can't wait to be part of that community, that brotherhood, that team, that family, you know. And um, it's it's something that I'm really passionate about. It's something that means a lot to me. And um, it's you know um, I got hey get this. So in the UK, um, the age of joining Freemasonry used to be 21. Okay. Um, and I applied, well, I say I applied, I did the inquiry, I've done the inquiry process. And um, Brother Martin was like, oh, Danny, you have to wait until you're 21 to become a Freemason. So I was like, oh, I've got to wait six months, you know, to initiate. And I got a call about a week ago saying, Dan, I just want to follow it from, from the Masonic Lodge. That I'm, that's in my town. Danny, it's such and such. Um you know, we've just found out by my secretary that, and we've confirmed it, that uh, the age to join Freemasonry in England has been lowered to 18. So he, and oh, after, yeah, and after a conversation, um, you know, he said, essentially, the process of me individually becoming a Freemason should be much quicker. I shouldn't have to wait until, until June, you know, six months time, you know, and um, the, the funny thing is he told me that most of the Masons know who I am, even though I've never met them yet, like some of them yet. I've met a couple, but the guy on the phone told me that, I think it was the secretary or someone said, a lot of the guys here know who you are, Danny. And, you know, we've we've heard a couple of good things about you. So I was like, yes! 
Um, a reputation precedes me successfully. Well, there we are. But it's it's um, it's good. It's I mean, it's not certain news, but it's definitely good news. You know, if I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a positive space for them to reach out to you directly, especially with that kind of energy. You know, when you see that the energy by which you bring come to the fraternity, we actually did, 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 a, did a video on this one just a bit back. Yeah. When you see that reflection, that's a very, you know, mirrors do that. And the fraternity of, in a lot of spaces is really big mirrors stuck between two pillars. If you yeah. get really bright, it'll get really bright. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's you know, um, <laughs> so um, I'm actually waiting for um, Freemasonry for dummies. It, it's it's going to come. And like Harpocrates, you know, Tyler, he told me, Danny, do not read it. He said, because the whole point from his perspective is that you go from darkness to light. And if you have too much light, it ruins the experience of, you know, the initiation and everything. And, you know, and, and then some of the Masons say, oh, it's OK. Just avoid chapter six. Uh, I I've never read it, so I don't know. But, um, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, I'll, I'll take Tyler's advice and no, not read anything until I initiate. So let me ask you a question and, and looking yeah. to the point of this bit, like, cause there's two particular paths uh, and I would look at not two, let me say it. There's many paths, right? But in this one, what I, where the question delves into is where, what brings you greater, a greater sense of satisfaction or a greater sense of success. And that is discovery or a dissection. Do you like to know, like, do you like to pull things apart and see how they work? Or do you like to discover something for the first time? Um, I'm more of a guy who dissects, things I like because I, for me so my father my father who I don't speak to anymore because of our complications um he had a nickname for me and he used to call me Sherlock Holmes because uh, you know my father is a, he's an ex-royal military policeman and he was a former special investigator so he was like a detective himself yeah, and you know that's awesome. said, uh, yeah 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 very and he, you know he said um you know I've he called me Sherlock Holmes because I like to analyze things, you know, like for instance, um, I did. So our college is the step between high school and university. I know you guys call university college, uh, but our, our college, I did sociology. So in sociology, you have to have the analytical mindset to tear things apart and look into them, you know, and, you know, I very much like computers and coding. So, uh, when I when I see a system of some sort, like let's say, let's say you've got a religion like Christianity, okay? Christianity is made up of certain components, and if you approach Christianity like it's a code, like it's a computer code, a, a computer code has different components, right? So, um, but with a code, certain components are put together to get a certain result, okay? Right. In Christianity, the different components put together gets you Christianity. But like like a code, there's always a flaw. There's always a way that hackers can get into that code and kind of find, find where the uh, chink in the armor is and kind of uh, dissipate it or go within and break it down. And I'll, I like to do that with systems or religions. I, I approach each religion like a code with certain components gets a certain result and then i try and find the flaws and you've got to have an analytical mind to do that you know to really look at the specifics and find out where it's going wrong or where things don't add up or where things you know i could flaw in an argument like a debate you know someone debates oh, yeah. but if you're intelligent enough you can you can read in between the lines you can figure out where they're going wrong i like to do that with religions or philosophies or different perspectives i treat them all like like a long code I've got to work out the components. I've got to work out where it tries to get that person, the result. And then I try and work out um, where the chink in the arm The typical arm. is deviating away from it, where that yeah, inconsistent yeah. result comes in. Hey, so I think I will be very curious to see how your experience in Freemasonry goes. Now, I would, I would, you sound, you sound very much uh, looking, learning, looking, leaning, sorry, if I get my L's right, leaning to that side of more dissection, that yeah. get similar class, but a lot of those esoteric students who have that drive, that seeking, that calling to try to find this intangible truth, this, this singular mm -hmm. absolute that can only be hypothesized or 
felt, so to speak. Uh, the, there was a dissection aspect within the fraternity that inevitably that you get, you can a lot of experiences within you can be affirmed, but there's this weird, really weird thing that happens where everything that you you know that you know, which is a lot, especially because of the amount of the, the hours and hours of research you've done up to this point that I had done up to that point. There's a part, there's a thing, and it'll happen where suddenly your understanding goes away, mm-hmm. and you're left in a place where you you don't know. You, yeah. Like, like you like all of that preparation. So it's kind of like you talk about the ritual, right? In magic, you know, ritual magic in most yes. places, yeah. we're looking at a controlled ritual, a consistent change, right? There's a moment yeah. whereby that change occurs, where you go from A to B, and mm-hmm. in that transitory phase, moving from A to B, you are neither, right? And when that happens within Freemasonry, especially for the the occult student, for the esoteric student, who really yeah. like you know they ground the pace down, so to speak it scares the shit out of you to a certain degree because of the amount of work you've done yeah. up to this point. But it's, it's like, it, it, it's, it's really funny. You should, you should say that because, um, it's like, uh, I know you're, I know you're pagan. So I, you know, you, can, you probably can understand where I'm coming from in, in a second. So, um, I, I'm, I was fascinated with kind of allegories and the soul and enlightenment. And I used to call enlightenment Samadhi which is an old Sanskrit term for enlightenment. And, uh, well, it's specifically kind of like African Eastern term for enlightenment. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I was fascinated with, okay, how can you become enlightened? How, how can you become enlightened psychologically? You know, Friedrich Nietzsche said you can become enlightened in a psychological way. He said that we haven't evolved yet um, insofar as psychology. You know, he said, look, we have homo sapiens now. But he came up with an idea called the Ubermensch. I mean, German, it means the Superman. And it, re- it refers to someone who exceeds kind of this mundane, kind of that bog standard way of thinking of uh, of a human being. And he calls that an Ubermensch or the Superman. It's someone who can understand, someone who has super morals, super values. And so I was interested that way, but I was also interested spiritually as well. So when you learn about, kundalini and things like that so when you open your for instance your ajna chakra okay uh your third well it's not technically it's not your third eye but for the sake of argument we'll say it is um you open your (laughs) i'm sure you know where i'm coming from but uh when you open your third eye and you get to see things it's terrifying it's uh, when you when you've never it's terrifying because you read the bhagavad gita by chance say again sorry you read the bhagavad gita by chance no if you want, because you talk about a terrifying experience right? and when yeah. that when that particular one gets open, it's just because for you it'll probably be very comical because you you got this you have a previous perspective of this encounter where it goes. Um, yeah. But there, yeah. it's just it's a conversation between effectively God and his friend who is mortal, and his friend's like, "Yo, I want to see what's up. What's up your skirt?" And God's like, "All right," and he you know flicks him and opens up that eye, and then his experience is mm-hmm. it's it's uh, worth writing about. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's like um, so. I've researched uh, about the soul in so many different perspectives for like for nearly ten years now. You know, I'm nearly twenty. I'm twenty one soon. I was researching these things from the age of eleven years old, and like on my own. Like it's as if like no one around me was spiritual in the respect of you know magic and things like that. You know, right. so I discovered this on my own that. You know, like I believe in reincarnation. Okay, so I believe when you've got a young, a young person or, or a child who, you know, desires spirituality, I think in his past life or her past life, there must have been like a magician or a you know kind of uh, someone like that. You know, because how? Because I believe reincarnate. I believe in kind of like the old Hindu perspective that people are reincarnated when they haven't reached samadhi. You know, we get born back again until we learn officially about godhood and things like that you know um so um you know but when you're looking at the soul i realize i learned things about nadis and the chakra and the kundalini the ida and pingala you know all of these different things and so like i said the third eye te- isn't technically the ajna chakra so we have um so so um yeah, so like, if you if you look at the qualities of the soul, okay, the different components of the soul, yeah. you'll find that the 
a lot of the terminology to describe the different components of the soul are actually in the Bible. For instance, um, when you look at, um, you know, God and his seven flames or his seven seals, I think the seven flames or the seven fights or the seven seals describe the seven main chapters, okay? And like Jesus, I can't remember what book or passage it is, but Jesus has one, had uh, something like 144,000 followers, okay? Mm. Um, in old Hinduism and old esotericism, it says that you have 144,000 nadis. Nadis are tiny little chapters, okay? The tiny little energy points. So we have nadis in our, in our tips of the fingers, okay? And um, so when you speak of the third eye, people associate the sixth chakra or the third eye uh, uh, with the Ajna chakra, and it's false. So we actually have six nadis going down the forehead. These small chakras, these six small chakras, are actually um, small energy points that need to be opened for clairvoyant abilities. Um, the the Ajna chakra, the sixth chakra, is known as the seat of the soul. It's the pineal gland, okay? That's what allows you to have initiative and see things on a higher level. The Nadis give you the clairvoyant abilities, okay? To hear, you know, to hear, to see the astral, you know, all of these different things. The pineal gland is what allows you to kind of um, have deep have you need to open that chapter to have deep ability you know um, in the astral so um, you know so I was looking into these things and I thought aha that adds up that looks like that you know uh, like the the Kundalini serpent you know um, people see that as the devil it's the evil and it's like no 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 in the ancient eastern times the serpent was a symbol of enlightenment or courage like I'll give you an example. So Benjamin Franklin, who was a Freemason, he actually spoke highly of the snake and he called it majestic and he called it brave and courageous because it will take on anything that is bigger on it. It's, it's someone who, he said a snake is uh, symbolic for someone who takes on things that are greater than them. It takes on things that are a greater threat. It's someone with courage. Someone, like someone it's, it's got a majestic nature to it. And, um, in spirituality, when you look in ancient Egypt and, you know, areas like that, the serpent was a symbol of enlightenment because of the Kundalini. Now, for, for some people, you know, who don't know what Kundalini is, Kundalini is kind of like a serpentine energy. It's serpentine in respect of how the energy is made up, okay, in its shape. And it's made of two components called the Ida and Pingala. It's the male and female side of the soul or the, or the mind. Like, um, so when you look at yin and yang it's the white side or the light side is the male side the black side is the dark side or the female side and it isn't necessarily bad um, and this is why for instance the Catholic Church persecuted women it was a, it was a metaphor because we all know um, so the, the, the subconscious side of the brain in magic is the more powerful side because nice. it's what but, you know as you may know and in psychology, certainly in in Carl Jung's psychology, the subconscious is known as the dark female side, and it was a symbol of greater power. And when we look in paganism, women are highly venerated, aren't they? So absolutely, absolutely, it, yeah. This is actually the reason why the Catholic Church persecuted women because they were so sacred in paganism, and you know, for the for the fact that they can give birth to. Another, another human being, you know, and also for a fact, it was a metaphor to say they are killing the female subconscious side. And this, you know, black and white magic isn't, there is no such thing as black and white magic. Black magic is literally a metaphor to say you are using magic involving the subconscious side of the mind, the more powerful side of the mind, the deeper side of the mind. Like, you know, Carl Jung goes into the subconscious um, and he talks about dreams and everything like that. Because the subconscious side, it's so much deeper and, you know, it's the unknown area. So when you start to do uh, shadow work, for instance, you get into the, um, the subconscious female side of the brain, which is the more powerful, esoteric, deep, 
more intelligent, more spiritual side of the mind and the soul. And the uh, Ida, Ida, um, is the female side of the soul. So when you unite the male and the female side of the soul and the brain, and you raise that energy, you become enlightened. That un unification, and um, it's it's that's the reason why. Um, when you look in, when you've got the hexagram, sorry, I need a drink. Hey, no worries. When you look at the hexagram of the six-pointed star, no, in Judaism, that's the star of David, okay? But in paganism, it, um, it is the, um, it's the male and female symbols put together. It's actually a Roman pagan symbol. Um, so... When you've got the triangle pointing up, that's known as the blade. Um, it's the it's the it's a symbol for the male or the masculine. Okay, when you when you've got the when you've got the triangle pointing down like this, it's the female side because it's the shape of the womb. Okay, the womb mm -hmm. is like so. When you unite the male and the female, it's it's it it, sim it symbolizes unification. It symbolizes unification of humanity. The male and female, it symbolizes uh, like sexuality and being human. Because when you put the male and female together, you get you know another human being. It creates Symbol that balanced form. Yeah, it brings the balance. And a lot of people don't do the research on symbols, you know. And symbols are very important because, like, when you like, it is you know the free the, the Masonic symbol with the uh, square and compass and the G. You know, that that isn't as old as, you know, the pyramids of Giza, okay? It's it's very old, but it's not as old as the pyramid of Giza. It's in, in the, in the yeah. reality of that symbol is a very modern symbol, but it's because it, it was made, the different components of the square and compass, it's a metaphor. There's something deeper there. And people just go, oh, it's a satanic symbol, okay? Because it's, it's shrouded in mystery. But if you aren't a mason, you might not know what that symbol means. And either a mason will tell tell you what the symbol means, or they might say, no, it's our thing, you know, it's not a bad thing, but it's our thing. So if people don't understand, it's shrouded in mystery, and people just associate symbols that don't understand with Satanism, because Satanism is, a show, is associated with dark, mystery, evil, you know, and um, it, it's quite sad, actually, because people take things for face value, you know, um it, it's it's like um what like for me like you know like we said i dissect i go into and i analyze so when you look at the bible for instance or the christian bible jesus or yeshua states um i am the way okay now people go oh that means christ is the way it's like no 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 no. i am in hebrew the original translation i am means god so yeshua was saying god is the way and it actually states um you know god you know god in the bible says um no one shall worship another man before me so jesus himself didn't want worship like like well yeah we see that trend in a lot of uh, a lot of spiritual teachers throughout time where they're like do not deify thought yeah. hermes they're like, like listen fuckers learn it's like, don't it's like the buddha isn't a god there are many different interpretations that worship him or take him as a deity. And mm -hmm. he wasn't. He was, the Buddha was uh, Sudhartha, uh, I can't remember his name now, Sudhartha Gautama. He was a, he was a Hindu prince and he, he was actually a Hindu. Uh, the Buddha, like, it, it's, what's also fascinating is there's a comparison between the Buddha and Jesus, okay? So the Buddha was a Hindu, so he was a polytheist, okay? He actually stemmed away from that and he founded his own philosophy with inspiration from Hinduism, but it didn't preach, it didn't teach any, you know, Hindu teachings like the polytheistic worship. No, he was very, it, it, uh, how can I put it? He he took inspiration from Hindu, you know, 
Hindu religion. I think, yeah, and I mean, in a lot of that space, right? Because you look at what what the the symbolic the sim- symbolical character of Christ or Jesus or Yeshua, however we would like to classify them in this term. Yeah, there's this there's the root of true teaching, which is emanating not off of cultural influence, but of the root of what it's supposed to help the culture achieve or the people achieve. And that's yep. always lost when we get when when religion, you know, the true religion, as it is written in times, gets complicated by cultural and the foe you know that which is not real and so and even uh-huh. in, frater- in the, the fraternity you find that there's this path of not only ever seeking light but to ever test yes to ever yeah. test and to ever check that light which you receive and it's beautiful to see that as you've begun this incredibly well-researched journey into the fraternity mm-hmm. that I, I believe that you will still be surprised that you will still find oh. there is more to learn it because you seem like you have an incredibly well esoteric and symbolical understanding that when you walk in and you, you see those large symbols as you probably will know them you'll yeah. be able to understand some of those deeper esoteric meanings which are built behind mm-hmm. them yeah absolutely but um, you know as i was about to say there's a huge com- comparison between yeshua and the buddha you know yeshua broke away from judaism he took inspiration from judaism and he founded his own version because he disagreed with a lot of things in Judaism. Just like the Buddha, who was a real human being, disagreed with Hinduism, but took inspiration. So it's, for me, it's, you know, it's, you know, Freemasons remain objective, don't they? In somewhat, even though Freemasons have their own individual faith or belief, so some of them may be Christians, some of them may be Jews, some of them may be Muslims or pagans like yourself. But uh, but they still remain open. That's the thing. So and that's the beauty of it. And I like being open. And, you know, so when you see a lot of these Masonic symbols, you know, I I now after speaking to a lot of people understand, you know, kind of the concept of a lot of Masonic symbols. So and the lesson I learned from all of these symbols that are featured in Masonry is that it teaches you about self-development and to remain open, but yet still have that faith in something greater so you can have that faith in something greater whilst being open to everything whilst taking inspiration you know and a lot of them a lot of the masonic symbols if you really look at what they mean that's exactly what they mean you know but they mean self-development you know self-truth truth about the universe truth about you know everything around you you know and um it's it's something i highly respect even though i'm not a mason yet it's something that i highly respect because it's something sincere it's something honest it's something true that can teach me a lot of things about myself and about humanity and about people and about the universe as well so and um it's something that i'm really excited to be part of so i've got a meeting on the 20th of this month and that's when i find out some more news so he said, the last time I spoke to him, Danny, it shouldn't take long at all. So if he said that last week and I meet him on the 20th, hopefully I found out some more, some more news as to when I might initiate or something like that. So, and that's only a couple of weeks away that I find out more news. So, Oh, absolutely. When, to be honest, you know, you only become, you only become a Mason one time in your life. And oh, you, yeah. you relish yeah. in it, it that, 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 that you temper that fire where you may and you forge that sword, that truth, that definitive point. Because I think, I think you will make an incredible Mason. And to hear and to look forward to where you go on this journey, to get to be a part of it, to help capture and share that story. Mr. Black, I do believe it will be a pleasure and a privilege for all of us within the fraternity and outside to watch and see this. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. Thank you for taking the time to answer these questions and to, to be honest, take us on the journey of how you ended up at this doorstep of yeah. the fraternity of Freemasonry. But I think we'll have to do a part two after I initiate, you know, something like oh, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this will be continued. This this story will not end. We will yeah. regularly continue this conversation so we can capture, keep the story moving because we've got to see you at the end, brother. I know. But thank you for your time. It's, you know, highly appreciate it. I, I very much respect you and um, I will keep you up to date. But yeah, it's it's something that I'm really looking forward to. And I think if anyone feels the same way that I do, or the way you might look into Freemasonry because it might be
be the thing for you. If you crave something greater, if you crave a brotherhood, if you crave family, if you want to help other people, and if you want to better yourself, then maybe Freemasonry is for you. So, well said, Danny. I could see you. Th- you think he's one already? He f- fits the form, fits the space. Hey, uh, if you're curious, you want to learn more, you want to follow it specifically along on this journey. Likewise, where you can you find you follow the hashtag Masonic Movie. Go check out Danny's account. Danny, what's your account name? How can we find you? Oh, so on TikTok, I am Learn with Danny. It's one word. So it's at Learn with Danny. And I am documenting my journey, everything so far. But just just kind of add some promotion in there. I'm going to set up a second page where I'm going to talk about magic and spirituality. So I'll have a Masonic page separate to a spirituality page. So that will be a same username or a similar username to learn with Danny. But if you want to see my uh, documentation of my journey so far and what it's like to be an aspiring Freemason as someone who's a candidate, or a possible candidate, you know, check out my content. It's and if you want to hear some things about current Freemasons, check Hippie's production, check Harpocrates, check Brother Tyler. You know, Widows Miho, Psychonaut Agnostic, any of those. Go to uh, it's. Let's see, it is TikTok hashtag TikTok Masonic Lodge number one. You will find all of us on there. Check it out. Um, for anyone that may be. Uh, not sure what Freemasonry is. Give us, give us a look. We, why? If if you want to hear about Freemasonry, why not? Who's better to tell you than a Freemason what Freemasonry is about? So, check me out. Check Hippie out. Check all the other guys out. Uh, Learn with Danny on TikTok, and um, yeah, maybe Freemasonry is for you. Uh, you go in blank. Helps uh, if you unmute the mic, he says. Yeah. <laughs> be, be well, be blessed. Thank you so much for joining me in the in the smoke lounge. Remember, no uh, no driving for a little bit after this too. Oh yes. Thank you for having me. Cheers, mate. See you later. Hey, thank you for joining us and making it this far in our podcast. Remember that if you want feedback or engagement. Likewise, if you would like to contribute to the content that we create here at Hippie Queen Productions, head over to our Facebook page. Reach out, message us, let us know what you want to see and what kind of things you'd like to engage with. Remember as well that if you're curious, if you want to learn and grow on an esoteric or educational level, we host and teach courses over at howlingwindswellness.com and over on our website, hippiequeenproductions.com. Love you, beautifuls, so much. You really are the reason that we get to do this. We appreciate your time just listening. Be well and be blessed.